This is Jeff Powers, Senior Writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports, and welcome to another edition of the Real-Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Steve Hawley, who is one of the top fantasy players around. Steve is ranked fifth on our site out of all the fantasy players, and he also won the fantasy championship last year, which is one of the top high-stake contests around. He took home $200,000 for his winnings. Steve has been on the podcast before, and today we're going to talk about the Champions Draft that just took place on our site. The Champions Draft is a draft that consists of the top-rated fantasy players on our site. So we have the best of the best competing in this draft. It is called the Champions Draft for a reason, and Steve and I are going to break it down going over his team and the rest of the draft. Before I get to that, I just want to tell you, go to Real-Time Fantasy Sports today, go to rtsports.com, and sign up for a league. There are all sorts of money leagues to get into. We have All-American leagues, best ball leagues, audible leagues. Go today and sign up for one of those leagues. Pick any draft, any time to sign up for a league at Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Just go to rtsports.com and sign up today. And now, here's my interview with Steve Hawley. I'm joined now by Steve Hawley, one of the top fantasy players out there. He's ranked fifth overall on our website. He won the fantasy championship last year, took home $200,000 for that big win. And he's joined now by with me once again on the podcast. Steve, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, I, I, I thank you for having me. Um, it seems like it was just uh, not too long ago we were talking about that championship win and what to kind of expect for the upcoming season, and you know some of the predictions that were made uh, kind of kind of played itself out in this uh, champions draft for uh, this upcoming season. Yeah, so you just touched on it a little bit, Steve. We're going to talk about the champions draft today. It's a draft I do on the site every year for the draft guide. It consists of the top ranked fantasy players on our website, some of the top fantasy players out there. It's always a challenging draft, and I want to go over your draft, and I want to talk a little bit about the draft in general as well. So I'm going to just jump right into it, Steve. You had the third pick overall. You took Ezekiel Elliott. I picked before you uh, with the second pick. I had Todd Gurley, so I'm kind of interested to see your thoughts on your picks to see if you were thinking along the same lines as me as well. So with this third pick, Ezekiel Elliott, was this your target? Did you think you were going to get him at this spot? Yeah, for uh... – up until this draft that happened, you know, about a week ago, um, you know, I I had done some other contests on RT Sports just to kind of get a feel for some ADP where guys are going, who were who were going in the who was going in the first round, and for much of for much, for many of the drafts that I was doing, it, it kind of seemed to be either Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell at, at the one and two spots, you know, simultaneously, they're you know maybe Gurley a little bit more, so. For me, it was pretty much deciding between Ezekiel Elliott or David Johnson, and I just decided to go. I decided to go with Ezekiel Elliott simply because I think he's gonna he's gonna be fed the ball quite a bit this year, and with the lack of you know elite passing options, um, not that the Cowboys had tremendous guys anyway, but you know them losing Des Bryant and Jason Witten, you know they may call on Ezekiel to 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 have to garner some 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 receptions um for the season so you know i just i i I like zeke i like zeke quite a bit and david johnson um either or would would have been fine for me but uh i just like i just think zeke has a little bit better upside than david johnson this season 
So round two, you went running back again, took LaShawn McCoy, and then you went four straight receivers after that. Adam Thielen in the third round, fourth round, G.G. Smith-Schuster, fifth round, Alshon Jeffrey, and then you followed that with Corey Davis in the sixth. I want to talk about G.G. Smith-Schuster a little bit. Was this a target of yours in the draft? I know a lot of people are high on him this year, and you, you grabbed him in the fourth round of this Champs League. Yeah, before... Before Martavis Bryant got traded to Oakland, I actually was kind of staying away from Juju. And then Martavis got dealt on, on draft day to the Oakland Raiders. Um, so that kind of, you know, I think Juju kind of becomes that clear-cut uh, number two receiver, maybe the third option behind Le'Veon Bell and Tony Brown. But, you know, with Le'Veon, with his contract dispute and the likelihood that maybe this will be his last season as a Steeler, you know, they might not look to have to depend on him you know, so much throughout the year that, you know, maybe Juju, an upcoming player, a young player, um, could be on the rise and, and have, have a very solid season, along with Antonio Brown lined up on, on the opposite end who's going to garner a lot of attention. Um, and like you said, he's uh, he's a guy that a lot of people are targeting in the early, like around the early fourth round as a, as a, as a uh, upside pick. So when a guy like that, a guy that I really don't have on many teams, and looking at some of the guys that went after him, um, Jarvis Landry, Alshon Jeffrey, who I ended up taking in the fifth round, and uh, Devontae Parker, um, I just like the upside as compared to compared to those guys for this upcoming year. And I have to ask you about Corey Davis, because if you would not have grabbed him in the sixth round, I would have picked him. With my pick in that round, I ended up taking Wolf, Will Fuller. I would have liked Davis better. Uh, Davis, another guy, are you hiring him this year? Is this a guy you're going after in, in a lot of your drafts? Yeah, Corey Davis is definitely a guy that I'm targeting um, pretty much anywhere in the sixth round. So when he came back to me at at, at pick six ten, you know, late sixth, I I was quite pleased to to grab him. Although at that time, um, I was I was kind of focusing more on Delaney Walker, simply because tight ends kind of went a little bit uh, quicker in this draft. That I, I felt like I wanted to get a, a top six or seven tight end, but unfortunately. Once he went, um, with Corey Davis still being on the board as another potential upside guy, um, I felt like I had to grab him there because I knew there was no way he was going to make it back to me in the seventh. So so your draft kind of had some runs. You had two running backs to start, then you had four receivers after that, and then you followed that with two more running backs in around seven and eight. You took Rex Burkhead, Isaiah Crowell. Burkhead, uh, is this a guy that you like as well? Do you think he's going to do well? And then Crowell, too, I know a lot of people are up and down on him, but uh, these are two backs with some question marks, but uh, you seem to like them in these rounds. Um, yeah, Burkhead, I, I feel like he could he could kind of get the early the early crack at, at, at having the ball handler duties um, ahead of Sonny Michelle, even though the Patriots did use Sonny Michelle as a first-round pick. Um, I view Sonny Michelle kind of like, honestly, kind of like maybe a Nick Chubb or a Carrion Johnson, a guy that maybe that you want later in the year. Um, but, I mean, if Rex Burkhead, you know, he's playing in a prolific offense, if he's able to execute early on, take care of the football, obviously that's a big, you know, stickler for Bill Belichick. Um, you know, they've, they've just had guys like Deion Lewis and LeGarrette Blunt over the last couple of years that have that have produced really well and just, uh, just kind of lead back role. And also Burkett has that ability to be like a to be like James White and that he can you know, he can catch the ball very well also. So as a RB three, um as a guy that I might potentially have to play early on with whatever happens with a LaShawn McCoy, you know, 
recent incident. Um, he's a guy that I that that I really like having as an RB three that could be a potential, you know, a guy like Deion Lewis that if he if he performs well he'll he'll do well. And then Crowell, you know, he's a big he was a guy last year that a lot of people were high on, um, as high as the late third, early fourth rounds that people were taking him. Obviously, he didn't produce at the level that people thought. Duke Johnson was kind of the the factor in the Cleveland backfield. Um, although Cleveland is probably considered a better team this year, maybe even better than the Jets, I believe Crowell's spot for this year at, with the Jets is better than where he was with Cleveland last year. So, you know, as an RB4, a guy that's probably going to see somewhere around 200 carries that also has the ability to catch the football. He's a guy that I've just really liked ever since he entered the league. And, you know, him having a bad down year last year, I wasn't high on him last year just based on where he was going, but in the late eighth, early ninth rounds as an RB4, as a potential flex, potential plug-in guy with a good matchup, uh, I like Crowell a lot. So for me, Steve, I'm not thrilled with my tight end position. You and I kind of had the same strategy. We both took our first tight end. In round nine, I took Jack Doyle. You took George Kittle. I followed that with David Njoku, and you had Cameron Brayton in the 13th round. I think tight ends went a little sooner than both of us probably expected, which is why we were left with who we had. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the position, your position, your your guys in this position, the tight end position in this draft, and then just overall your strategy for tight ends. Um, usually when picking early um... – in the third round, if I decide, sometimes I'll go Rob Gronkowski because I like sort of the depth that can come back in the fourth and fifth round at receivers, so I can get a I can get a solid five picks at two running backs, two receivers, and then either Gronk or Kelsey, either one's available. That's early, you know, picking early in a in a in the draft. Um, but once I decided to pass on Gronk because kind of how this draft worked is I thought a lot of receivers were going to go between rounds three and five, so. I decided to go Thielen, and I, I was really banking on taking Delaney Walker with either my sixth or seventh round pick. But obviously, once he went off the board for me, I, I just didn't really see a ton of value in guys such as uh, Kyle Rudolph or Trey Burton. That you know, if Trey Burton came back to me in eighth, I probably would have snagged him there. But you know, he didn't make it. And once you took Jack Doyle, you know, George Kittle's a guy that you know I, I like the player a lot. Unfortunately, I'm drafting him on teams where he's able to be my tight end, too, that I can usually get in the 10th or 11th round. But when you're playing in a league such as this where, you know, a lot of a lot of owners, they, they're drafting just as many teams as I am, and, you know, they, they know their stuff very, very well that, you know, I, I was kind of – I had to pull the trigger on a guy like George Kittle simply because I wasn't sure that he could make it back to me in the 10th round. And even after I took George Kittle um, – it seemed like the tight end fury didn't really stop as Njoku went in the 10th, also Sperry and Jenkins, and even Mike Jusecki went early 11th round. So, I mean, I'm happy I got George Kittle, but I'm, I, I wish that I could have a, a better, a more solid option as, as a tight end one rather than having to put Kittle in every week. So the quarterback position, it looks like you were the late, the last owner to take a quarterback, starting quarterback in this draft. You took Jimmy Garoppolo with the 11th pick, and then you followed that with Matt Ryan in the 12th round. So is this a strategy for you in drafts to wait on the quarterback position and maybe get two guys that that you can platoon on a weekly basis? Yeah, with the the foundation of having having some depth at at running back from wide receiver, 
you know, this is a year where it seems like every year we keep talking about how deep the quarterback position is, and it just seems like even this year, like there's 20 viable guys that can that can be starting quarterbacks where the variance isn't going to be too significant. So um, I was very happy to get the the Garoppolo Ryan pairing, and a lot of my teams are kind of being based around that. Um, guys like Jared Goff or Ben Roethlisberger are also in the mix for me. Philip Rivers, you know, guys that you can get in the 11th and 10th round um, pretty consistently um, after once once you've built your core roster of positional players. So how do you feel overall about your draft? We just went over several of your picks. You're happy with your team? You think you got a good shot to compete for the title in this league? Yeah, I mean, it, it, in a league such as this where the, a lot of big-time owners, um, there really aren't any significant value picks, and there's going to be some reaches on players. But a lot, you know, going through the draft board and look at some, looking at some starting lineups, some rosters, a lot of even. There's a lot of even teams that you know waiver wire is going to be a huge factor in this league. Come, come once the season starts. Um, I like some of the upside guys that I've had. You know, we mentioned the the Juju Smith-Schusters, and the, I was very happy to get Corey Davis and George Kittle. Um, yeah, overall, I think it's a very solid team. Obviously, the big factor for my team will be LaShawn McCoy. You know, will he be on the field week one and have no uh, no uh, discipline come upon him for uh, his recent incident? That that'll be the big big factor for me. If he's unable, if he misses time, or you know, if he misses who knows how many games um it, it it could have a it could definitely hinder my my potential to win this league but if he's able to be on the field I, I like my chances more than anybody I'd say yeah so you kind of mentioned this as well uh about not being any huge surprises in this draft with oh man I can't believe Devin Funches fell this for far or something along those lines no huge surprises but overall were there some any individual picks that stood out to you that you thought they were very good uh, for certain teams in this draft outside of your own. Any any guys really stand out for you? Um, there, was, there was about two or three, looking at the draft board, there was about two or three uh, picks that, that I really liked where guy, where people got them at, at their position. Um, the first, the earliest one being Marvin Jones at uh, the sixth pick of the sixth round. You know, a guy last year that had 1,100 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, right around 110 targets. Um, you know, could stretch, you know, really stretch the field and, like I've mentioned before in, in, on here on the podcast, that it, you really have to kind of see who went around him to where, you know, if it's really a great pick. You know, Emmanuel Sanders went to pick right before him. Players like Crabtree and, you know, my Corey Davis went after. I, I see Marvin Jones as probably a tier above those guys. So really good job by Brian Ho getting, uh, getting Marvin Jones in the, in the mid-sixth. Um, and then the next guy I see is, is Carlos Hyde and, uh, the second pick of the eighth round, um, you know, kind of like a Rex Burkhead situation. You know, I think Carlos Hyde is, is probably going to get the first crack at, at early down early down duties for uh, for Cleveland this year. And he's a guy that you know he's had he's had some minor injury problems. He never really seems to get a full season together. But last year played a full sixteen games, had almost sixty receptions. So he's another player that also has that capability to catch the ball in the backfield and, and, and be a dual threat. So, you know, as long as, you know, he stays healthy and he can produce at a at a marginal at a marginal level, you know, early on in the season, um, and especially for Brad Petrie, this being his R B two that he gets in the eighth round, I think I think that was just tremendous value for him. All right, and 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, and I mean the last the last guy that uh, we look a little bit further down the draft board is actually a, a guy that you took um, in the thirteenth round. A guy that I that I have on on quite a few teams that I, I wish I was able to get. Wish wish I was able to get a hold on my team, but your thirteenth round pick of Kenny Stills. Um, you know, I've always been I've always I've just always liked the player. I think he plays well. Another field stretcher. You know, not the biggest receiver in the world, but. You know, with Miami, with Jarvis Landry moving on, um, they have 290 vacated targets from last season. That's the second highest in the in the NFL. So, you know, they brought in some guys. They brought in Albert Wilson. They brought in Danny Amendola. Um, some people out there still believe in Devontae Parker, even though I've I've passed on from that. Um, I think Kenny Stills is a guy that could really benefit from Landry being gone and, and getting a higher target share and higher reception total for this upcoming season. I mean, you're telling me that you can get a guy as a wide receiver five or six on teams that has, I think, easy, easily the potential to have 70 catches and 1,000 yards, you know, who also, you know, has, can find himself in the end zone. And yeah, it's just a tremendous – it's a tremendous steal pick in the 13th round, in my opinion. Yeah, I appreciate that, Steve. Stills is definitely a target of mine late in drafts. Like you said, you've been taking him in drafts. I've been taking him as well in some of my early drafts. I just love his upside in that offense. And like you said, Devontae Parker, I'm just not sure I'm going to – risk using a fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick on that guy. I think I'd rather take Stills later in the draft. I actually think Stills could outproduce him, so I'm hoping that happens. Overall, any big surprises for you during this draft, though? Any trends, anything really stand out, picks, positions, anything uh, that really stood out to you in this draft? Um, Unlike the last couple seasons that I've seen in fantasy, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers, you know, getting a lot of wide receivers, loading up on the receiver position. This year it's kind of gone back to a more old-school approach, you know, back in the early 2000s. I mean, out of the first 25 picks in this draft, 17 were running backs. You know, a lot of people doubling up early on running backs, yourself and myself included. Um, And another thing – that I noticed and also with running backs is how, you know, all the rookie running backs are going far earlier than they were last year. Um, and then, you know, and I think it's deservedly so just because a lot of the rookie running backs landed in pretty good spots where there's not much competition for carries. Um, you know, Ronald Jones at Tampa, he's got to worry about Peyton Barber. Rashad Penny's got to worry about Chris Carson in Seattle. Darius Geis, you know, P. Ryan didn't really produce last year. And Chris Thompson's another guy that, you know, can't seem to stay on the field for the entire year. So they're landing in really good spots. So, you know, a lot of the rookie running backs going fourth to fifth round, um, you know, that's something that we're not norm- we're not accustomed to seeing um, over the past couple seasons. And then lastly, um, you know, th- with this being a championship league and, and these drafters being experienced, you know, the quarterbacks, as we mentioned, um, the first one didn't go off the board till mid-fifth with Aaron, you know, it being Aaron Rodgers. Um you know, it, it it was really where quarterbacks win is kind of where they're supposed to go. You know, you'll see some people kind of stretch for Deshaun Watson this year, Russell Wilson, or I've seen Aaron Rodgers normally going in the late third, early fourth. But where you know these drafters, they want to get, they want to build their rosters around positional players. You know, load up on talent because you have buys, you have injuries. Your quarterbacks are going to be concrete. Like as I mentioned before, the variance is. Very small when looking at the top top quarterback as compared to the 20th quarterback as compared to the top running back compared to the 20th running back. So those are some of the things that I saw from the from the from the draft that you know were 
some shockers, some expected. So last question for you, Steve. Just your biggest takeaway. I know you just mentioned a, a whole list of things that uh, you thought about this draft, but maybe the biggest takeaway that you're going to use for future drafts to help you uh, going forward from this draft. Um, one thing that I'm really curious about is, you know, once training camps kind of start up and, you know, a lot of a lot of these players start getting, you know, a lot of positive buzz, you know, a lot of from these beat riders, a lot of, you know, good vibes coming from training camp. Um, you know, about this time last year, we saw some of the rookie running backs, you know, Kareem Hunts, Dalvin Cooks, you know, even Fournette. It seemed like once camp started and players really had concrete roles that, you know, Darius Geis was going to be the lead back in Washington. You know, I'm very curious to see where these rookie running backs end up as we move forward throughout the year. And I'm, I'm not, you know, even with the fourth round ADPs and even Darius guys going in, in the late third, like I wouldn't be surprised if some of these guys jump up a round or two and even maybe even can't even get in the second round conversation with the Joe Mixon and Jarek McKinnons and so forth. So we could see even more of an inflation of running backs being taken early because of what, training camp will bring, and a lot of these guys might, may have gotten rookie running backs at, at a bargain as compared to where we'll be a month from now. That's Steve Hawley. He's one of the top-ranked fantasy players out there, and you can hear why by listening to him with his great thoughts on this Champions Draft and with it with the overall fantasy strategy for this season going forward. Really appreciate Steve coming on the show with me. Like I said, he's the fifth-ranked overall fantasy player on our side. He won the fantasy championship last year, which is just a Huge accomplishment, and he should be super proud of that, and he's he's one of the best out there. Steve, thanks so much for being on. I'm going to have to have you on again sometime soon. I appreciate you having me for this uh, for this topic of conversation, and anytime in the future that, you know, things need to be discussed as far as ADP, anything, anything of those sorts, I'm always available. So good talking to you, and I hope to talk to you again soon. All right, great stuff, Steve. And that was my interview with Steve Hawley, one of the top fantasy players around. He did a great job on the podcast once again, and I want to thank Steve for being a guest on the show. Well, we will definitely have him on again, either during the season or before the season. This has been Jeff Power for Real Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.